Chapter One, Part One of the Deluge, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Deluge, Volume Two by Heinrich Schenkewitz, translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter One, Part One. The war with cannon was no bar to negotiations, which the fathers determined to use at every opportunity. They wished to delude the enemy and procrastinate till aid came, or at least severe winter. But Miller did not cease to believe that the monks wished merely to extort to the best terms. In the evening, therefore, after that cannonading, he sent Colonel Kuklinovsky again with a summons to surrender. The prior showed Kuklinovsky the safeguard of the king, which closed his mouth at once. But Miller had a later command of the king to occupy Boleslav, Vyluni, Kajepitz, and Chenstohova. "'Take this order to them,' said he to Kuklinovsky, "'for I think they will lack means of evasion when it is shown them.' But he was deceived. The prior answered, "'If the command includes Chenstohova, let the general occupy the place with good fortune.' He may be sure that the cloister will make no opposition, but Chenstohova is not Yasnagora, of which no mention is made in the order. When Miller heard this answer, he saw that he had to deal with diplomats more adroit than himself. Reasons were just what he lacked, and there remained only cannon. A truce lasted through the night. The Swedes worked with vigor at making better trenches, and on Yasnagora they looked for the damage of the previous day and saw with astonishment that there were none. Here and there roofs and rafters were broken, here and there plaster had dropped from the walls. That was all. Of the men none had fallen, no one was even maimed. The prior, going around on the walls, said with a smile to the soldiers, But see, this enemy with his bombarding is not so terrible as reported. After a festival there is often more harm done. God's care is guarding you, God's hand protects you, only let us endure, and we shall see greater wonders. Sunday came, the festival of the offering of the Holy Lady. There was no hindrance to services, since Miller was waiting for the final answer, which the monks had promised to send after midday. Mindful, meanwhile, of the words of Scripture, how Israel bore the ark of God around the camp to terrify the Philistines, they went again in procession with the monstrance. The letter was sent about one o'clock, not to surrender, but to repeat the answer given Kuklinovsky, that the church and the cloister are called Yasnagora, and that the town Chenstohova does not belong to the cloister at all. Therefore we implore earnestly his worthiness, wrote the prior Kordetsky, to be pleased to leave in peace our congregation and the church consecrated to God and his most holy mother, so that God may be honored therein during future times. In this church also we shall implore the majesty of God for the health and success of the most serene king of Sweden. Meanwhile, we, unworthy men, while preferring our request, commend ourselves most earnestly to the kindly consideration of your worthiness, confiding in your goodness, from which we promise much to ourselves in the future. These were present at the reading of the letter. Sadovsky, Count Vihard, Horn, Governor of Kajepsky, Defasis, a famous engineer, and the prince of hesha a man young and very haughty who though subordinate to miller was willing to show his own importance he laughed therefore maliciously and repeated the conclusion of the letter with emphasis they promise much to themselves from your kindness 
general that is a hint for a contribution i put one question gentlemen are the monks better beggars or better gunners true said horn during these first days we have lost so many men that a good battle would not have taken more as for me continued the prince of hesha i do not want money i am not seeking for glory and i shall freeze off my feet in these huts what a pity we did not go to prussia a rich country pleasant one town excelling another miller who acted quickly but thought slowly now first understood the sense of the letter he grew purple and said the monks are jeering at us gracious gentlemen they had not the intention of doing so but it comes out all the same answered horn to the trenches then yesterday the fire was weak the balls few the orders given flew swiftly from end to end of the swedish line the trenches were covered with blue clouds the cloister answered quickly with all its energy but this time the swedish guns were better planted and began to cause greater damage bombs loaded with powder were scattered each drawing behind it a curl of flame lighted torches were hurled too and rolls of hemp steeped in rosin as sometimes flocks of passing cranes tired from long flying besiege a hill cliff so swarms of these fiery messengers fell on the summit of the church and on the wooden roofs of the buildings whoso was not taking part in the struggle was near a cannon was sitting on a roof some dipped water from wells others drew up the buckets with ropes while third parties put out fire with wet cloths balls crashing rafters and beams fell into garrets and soon smoke and the odor of burning filled all the interior of buildings but in garrets too defenders were watching with buckets of water the heaviest bombs burst even through ceilings in spite of efforts more than human in spite of wakefulness it seemed that early or late flames would embrace the whole cloister torches and bundles of hemp pushed with hooks from the roofs formed burning piles at the foot of the walls windows were bursting from heat and women and children confined in rooms were stifling from smoke and exhalations hardly were some missiles extinguished hardly was the water flowing in broken places when there came new flocks of burning balls flaming cloths sparks living fire the whole cloister was seized with it you would have said that heaven had opened on the place and that a shower of thunders was falling still it burned but was not consumed it was flaming but did not fall into fragments what was more the besieged began to sing like those youths in the fiery furnace for as the day previous a song was now heard from the tower accompanied by trumpets to the men standing on the walls and working at the guns who at each moment might think that all was blazing and falling to ruins behind their shoulders that song was like a healing balsam announcing continually that the church was standing that the cloister was standing that so far flames had not vanquished the efforts of men hence it became a custom to sweeten with such harmony the suffering of the siege and to keep removed from the ears of women the terrible shouts of raging soldiery but in the swedish camp that singing and music made no small impression the soldiers in the trenches heard it at first with wonder then with superstitious dread how is it said they to one another we have cast so much fire and iron at that hen-house that more than one powerful fortress would have flown away in smoke and ashes but they are playing joyously what does this mean enchantment said others balls do not harm those walls bombs roll down from the roofs as if they were empty kegs enchantment enchantment repeated they nothing good will meet us in this place the officers in fact were ready to ascribe some mysterious meaning to those sounds but others interpreted differently and sadovsky said aloud so that miller might hear 
they must feel well there since they rejoice or are they glad because we have spent so much powder for nothing of which we have not too much added the prince of hesha but we have as leader polior cites said sadovsky in such a tone that it could not be understood whether he was ridiculing or flattering miller but the latter evidently took it as a ridicule for he bit his mustache we shall see whether they will be playing in an hour said he turning to his staff miller gave orders to double the fire but these orders were carried out overzealously in their hurry the gunners pointed the cannons too high and the result was they carried too far some of the balls soaring above the church and the cloister went to the swedish trenches on the opposite side smashing timber works scattering baskets killing men an hour passed then a second from the church tower came solemn music unbroken miller stood with his glass turned on Jenstohova. he looked a long time those present noticed that the hand with which he held the glass to his eye trembled more and more at last he turned and cried the shots do not injure the church one whit and anger unrestrained mad seized the old warrior he hurled the glass to the earth and it broke into pieces i shall go wild from this music roared he at that moment defasis the engineer galloped up general said he it is impossible to make a mine under a layer of earth lies rock there miners are needed miller used an oath but he had not finished the imprecation when another officer came with the rush from the chenstohova entrenchment and saluting said our largest gun has burst shall we bring others from lagoda fire had slackened somewhat the music was heard with more and more solemnity miller rode off to his quarters without saying a word but he gave no orders to slacken the struggle he determined to worry the besieged they had in the fortress barely two hundred men as garrison he had continual relays of fresh soldiers night came the guns thundered unceasingly but the cloister guns answered actively more actively indeed than during the day for the swedish campfires showed them ready work more than once it happened that soldiers had barely sat around the fire and the kettle hanging over it when a ball from the cloister flew to them out of the darkness like an angel of death the fire was scattered to splinters and sparks the soldiers ran apart with unearthly cries and either sought refuge with other comrades or wandered through the night chilled hungry and frightened about midnight the fire from the cloister increased to such force that within reach of a cannon not a stick could be kindled the besieged seemed to speak in the language of cannons the following words you wish to wear us out try it we challenge you one o'clock struck then two a fine rain began to fall in the form of cold mist but piercing and in places thickened as if into pillars columns and bridges seeming red from the light of the fire through these fantastic arcades and pillars were seen at times the threatening outlines of the cloister which changed before the eye at one time it seemed higher than usual then again it fell away as if in an abyss from the trenches to its walls stretched as it were ill-omened arches and corridors formed of darkness and mist and through those corridors flew balls bearing death at times all the air above the cloister seemed clear as if illumined by a lightning flash the walls the lofty works and the towers were all outlined in brightness then again they were quenched the soldiers looked before them with superstitious and gloomy dread time after time one pushed another and whispered hast seen it this cloister appears and vanishes in turn that is a power not human i saw something better than that answered the other we were aiming with that gun that burst when in a moment the whole fortress began to jump and quiver as if someone were raising and lowering it fire at such a fortress hit it 
the soldier then threw aside the cannon brush and after a while added we can win nothing here we shall never smell their treasures brr it is cold have you the tar bucket there set fire to it we can even warm our hands one of the soldiers started to light the tar by means of a sulphured thread he ignited the sulphur first then began to let it down slowly put out that light sounded the voice of an officer but almost the same instant was heard the noise of a ball then a short cry and the light was put out the night brought the swedes heavy losses a multitude of men perished at the campfires in places regiments fell into such disorder that they could not form line before morning the besieged as if wishing to show that they needed no sleep fired with increasing rapidity the dawn lighted tired faces on the walls pale sleepless but enlivened by feverishness kordetsky had lain in the form of a cross in the church all night with daylight he appeared on the walls and his pleasant voice was heard at the cannon in the curtains and near the gates god is forming the day my children said he blessed be his light there is no damage in the church none in the buildings the fire is put out no one has lost his life pan mosinski a fiery ball fell under the cradle of your little child and was quenched causing no harm give thanks to the most holy lady repay her may her name be blessed said mosinski i serve as i can the prior went farther it had become bright day when he stood near charnyetski and kmita he did not see kmita for he had crawled to the other side to examine the woodwork which a swedish ball had harmed somewhat the prior asked straight away but where is babinich is he not sleeping i sleep in such a night as this answered pan andrei climbing up on the wall i should have no conscience better watch as an orderly of the most holy lady better better faithful servant answered kordetsky pan andrei saw at that moment a faint swedish light gleaming and immediately he cried fire there fire aim higher at the dog brothers kordetsky smiled seeing such zeal and returned to the cloister to send to the wearied men a drink made of beer with pieces of cheese broken in it half an hour later appeared women priests and old men of the church bringing steaming pots and jugs the soldiers seized these with alacrity and soon was heard all along the walls eager drinking they praised the drink saying we are not forgotten in the service of the most holy lady we have good food it is worse for the swedes added others it was hard for them to cook food the past night it will be worse the night coming they have enough the dog faiths they will surely give themselves and us rest during the day their poor guns must be hoarse by this time from roaring continually but the soldiers were mistaken for the day was not to bring rest when in the morning officers coming with reports informed miller that the result of the night's cannonading was nothing that in fact the night had brought the swedes a considerable loss in men the general was stubborn and gave command to continue cannonading they will grow tired at last said he to the prince of hesha this is an immense outlay of powder answered that officer but they burn powder too they must have endless supplies of saltpetre and sulphur and we shall give them charcoal ourselves if we are able to burn even one booth in the night i went near the walls and in spite of the thunder i heard a mill clearly that must be a powder mill i will give orders to cannonade as fiercely as yesterday till sunset we will rest for the night we shall see if an embassy does not come out your worthiness knows that they have sent one to wittenberg i know i will send two for the largest cannons if it is impossible to frighten the monks or to raise a fire inside the fortress we must make a breach 
i hope your worthiness that the field marshal will approve the siege the field marshal knows of my intention and he has said nothing replied miller dryly if failure pursues me still farther the field marshal will give censure instead of approval and will not fail to lay all the blame at my door the king will say he is right i know that i have suffered not a little from the field marshal's sullen humour just as if tis my fault that he as the italians state is consumed by mal francesca that they will throw the blame on you i doubt not especially when it appears that sadovich is right how right sadovich speaks for those monks as if he were hired by them what does he say he says that these shots will be heard through the whole country from the carpathians to the baltic let the king command in such case to tear the skin from count vihard and send it as an offering to the cloister for he it is who instigated to this siege here miller seized his head but it is necessary to finish at a blow it seems to me something tells me that in the night they will send someone to negotiate meanwhile fire after fire the day passed then as the day previous full of thunder smoke and flames many such were to pass yet over yasnagora but the defenders quenched the conflagrations and cannonaded no less bravely one half of the soldiers went to rest the other half were on the walls at the guns the people began to grow accustomed to the unbroken roar especially when convinced that no great damage was done faith strengthened the less experienced but among them were old soldiers acquainted with war who performed their service as a trade these gave comfort to the villagers soroka acquired much consideration among them for having spent a great part of his life in war he was as indifferent to its uproar as an old innkeeper to the shouts of carousers in the evening when the guns had grown silent he told his comrades of the siege of zabarge he had not been there in person but he knew of it minutely from soldiers who had gone through that siege and had told him there rolled on cossacks tartars and turks so many that there were more undercooks there than all the swedes that are here and still our people did not yield to them besides evil spirits have no power here but there it was only friday saturday and sunday that the devils did not help the ruffians the rest of the time they terrified our people whole nights they sent death to the breastworks to appear to the soldiers and take from them courage for battle i know this from a man who saw death himself did he see her asked with curiosity peasants gathering round the sergeant with his own eyes he was going from digging a well for water was lacking and what was in the ponds smelt badly he was going going till he saw walking in front of him some kind of figure in a black mantle in a black not in a white one in black in war death dresses in black it was growing dark the soldier came up who is here inquired he no answer then he pulled the mantle looked and saw a skeleton but what art thou here for asked the soldier i am death was the answer and i am coming for thee in a week the soldier thought that was bad why asked he in a week and not sooner are thou not free to come sooner the other said i can do nothing before a week for such is the order the soldier thought to himself that is hard but if she can do nothing to me now i'll pay her what i owe winding death up in the mantle he began to beat her bones on the pebbles but she cried and begged i'll come in two weeks impossible in three four ten when the siege is over a year two fifteen impossible i'll come in fifty years the soldier was pleased for then he was fifty and thought a hundred years is enough i'll let her go 
the man is living this minute and well he goes to a battle as to a dance for what does he care but if he had been frightened it would have been all over with him the worst is to fear death said soroka with importance this soldier did good to others too for after he had beaten death he heard her so that she was fainting for three days and during that time no one fell in camp though sorties were made but we never go out at night against the swedes we haven't the head for it answered soroka the last question and answer were heard by kmita who was standing not far away and he struck his head then he looked at the swedish trenches it was already night at the trenches for an hour past deep silence had reigned the wearied soldiers were seemingly sleeping at the guns at two cannon shots distance gleamed a number of fires but at the trenches themselves was thick darkness that will not enter their heads nor the suspicion of it and they cannot suppose it whispered kmita to himself he went straight to charnyetski who sitting at the gun carriage was reading his rosary and striking one foot against the other for both feet were cold cold said he seeing kmita and my head is heavy from the thunder of two days and one night in my ears there is continual ringing in whose head would it not ring from such uproars but to-day we shall rest they have gone to sleep for good it would be possible to surprise them like a bear in a den i know not whether guns would rouse them oh said charnyetski raising his head of what are you thinking i am thinking of zbarge how the besieged inflicted with sorties more than one great defeat on the ruffians you are thinking of blood like a wolf in the night by the living god in his wounds let us make a sortie we'll cut down men spike guns they expect no attack charnyetski sprang to his feet and in the morning they will go wild they imagine perhaps that they have frightened us enough and we are thinking of surrender they will get their answer as i love god tis a splendid idea a real knightly deed that should have come to my head too but it is needful to tell all to kordetsky for he is commander they went kordetsky was taking counsel in the chamber with zamoyski when he heard steps he raised his voice and pushing a candle to one side inquired who is coming is there anything new it is i charnyetsky replied pan pyotr with me is babinich neither of us can sleep we have a terrible odor of the swedes this babinich father has a restless head and cannot stay in one place he is boring me boring for he wants terribly to go to the swedes beyond the walls to ask them if they will fire tomorrow also or give us and themselves time to breathe how is that inquired the prior not concealing his astonishment babinich wants to make a sortie from the fortress in company in company answered charnyetski hurriedly with me and some others they it seems are sleeping like dead men at the trenches there is no fire visible no sentries to be seen they trust overmuch in our weakness we will spike the guns said kmita give that babinich this way exclaimed zamoyski let me embrace him the sting is itching o hornet thou wouldst gladly sting even at night this is a great undertaking which may have the finest results god gave us only one lithuanian but that one an enraged and biting beast i applaud the design no one here will find fault with it i am ready to go myself kordetsky at first was alarmed for he feared bloodshed especially when his own life was not exposed after he had examined the idea more closely he recognized it as worthy of the defenders let me pray said he and kneeling before the image of the mother of god he prayed a while 
with outspread arms and then rose with serene face pray you as well said he and then go end of chapter one part one